Numbers chapter 16, we're going to be back up at verse 14, and uh, we're, we're going through a series there about blind leaders of the blind. And what, what brought all this about was that Jesus Christ, back in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, he's talking to his disciples, and uh, he said, don't you know you, Peter said, don't you know you offended them? And they asked him, don't you know you offended them? When he was, Jesus Christ was harassing the, telling the truth to the Pharisees, he wasn't harassing them, he was telling them the truth. And uh, they got offended, and they said, don't you know you offended them? And Jesus Christ's answer to back to them was let them alone they be blind leaders of the blind and if the blind lead the blind both shall fall into the ditch amen so we we started uh, looking into what what is a blind leader what is a blind leader and the biggest blind leader of the in the whole bible in, in my mind outside of the antichrist was found in numbers chapter 16 16 and that was Korah. and let me give you some of the points we found out so far as we've gone along we found out that in verse 2, we found of number 16 in verse 2, we found out that blind, blind leaders tend to be rich public officials, celebrities, good-looking, and good talkers. We found out in verse 3 that blind leaders tend to teach that their followers, their followers are holy and right. They're the only ones that are holy and right. And the problem with that is we found out that God had done, done said that the congregation was evil. Every one of them were evil. And we, we, we found that out. If you read your Bible, you find that they were evil. So they're, they're not following God's words. We found out in verse 3 that blind leaders want to destroy other leaders. Blind leaders, they want to destroy other leaders. They would never follow anyone a blind leader would never follow anyone else, including God. They would never follow anyone else, including God. We also found out that blind leaders focus on the past and not the future. Blind leaders focus on the past and not the future. And we, we found out that there's a danger in reminiscing about the good old days. Because they're never as good as you remember, and you tend to forget the bad that happened. And that's true. We found out in verse 13 that blind leaders... Accuse others of things because that's how they would act in the same situation. Blind leaders accuse others of things because that's how they would act in the same situation. And then we found out in closing last week in verse 14, we're down in verse 14, we found out that blind leaders will not follow anyone and then accuse their leaders of no results. Blind leaders will not follow anyone, and then they'll accuse their own leaders of not getting any results. And that was found in verse 14. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey. And I pointed out that he did lead them to a land flowing with milk and honey. He did try to take them in, and they wouldn't follow him. <laughs> so they chickened out. And, and I showed you the verses, and that's where we ended, where I showed you where they chickened out, and they, did, they wouldn't go in, and they got afraid. They, would, they stopped following Moses, and then when they stopped following Moses, they accused Moses of not getting results. And he did lead them to, to the promised land, but they wouldn't go in. And this is the kind of people that we're dealing with. These are blind leaders, and we've got blind followers. So we've got blind leaders of the blind, and that's what we're looking at. So look it back up at verse 14. Let's get going again. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Now, let's get the context. What happened was Korah, Korah Dathan, and Abiram, 
they decided they didn't want to follow Moses anymore. They could do just as good a job as Moses, and Moses wasn't doing a good job. And they, just, they were asking, well, who put Moses in charge? That was one of the questions. Who put Moses in charge? Were you fooled? God put Moses in charge. Moses didn't want the job. God put him in charge. And we got to looking at how Korah and Dathan and Abiram were stirring people up against, against Moses and trying to get Moses and Aaron kicked out so they could take over. And whenever Moses called them out on it in verse 12, he called them out on it. He said, I want you to show up. They said, we're not going to come up. Dathan and Abiram said, we're not going to show up. And so they start accusing Moses there in 14. And in the end of verse 14, it says, Will thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Basically, they're saying, all you're going to do is you're making everybody blind and you're making all your people around you blind. And we're not going to come up. You know, they're, they're, you're, in other words, these are people that are always accusing leaders of blinding other people. Blind followers are always accusing other people, other leaders of blinding their followers. That's their main tactic. They're always accusing other people of, <coughs> of blinding other people that are following them. What the ironic, the ironic thing about this, these are men that are blind followers following blind leaders accusing Moses of blinding other people. The irony of that is just, it's, it's just, it's just you can't fathom it, how stupid people can be. But that's how, that's how people are. Now let's get into this. Verse uh, 15. And Moses was very wroth. He got mad about it and said unto the Lord, Respect not thou their offering. Look what Moses says. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. Moses says, I hadn't took, no, I hadn't took an ass from them. In other words, I hadn't took one thing from them, and I haven't hurt not a one of them, Lord. A real leader. Now, let me, we've been talking about blind leaders, but I want to point out something about a real leader. A real leader doesn't want your money. Amen. A real leader doesn't want your money and is not out to hurt you. Moses says to the Lord, Lord, don't respect not their offered. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. So if you want a real leader, a real leader's not going to be asking you for money. It doesn't want your money. Amen. And he's not out to hurt you. But it seems like sometimes that preachers are out to hurt you. Amen. They get up there and they start preaching and you, you feel convicted. And we like to say, you're stepping on my toes, as Brother Raymond likes to say. You're stepping on my toes. You're peddling, you're meddling in my affairs. And this, that, and other. That's not, that's not what the preacher's doing. All the preacher's doing is preaching the Word of God. It's the Word of God that's stepping on your toes. Amen. If, it's, if he's really preaching the Word of God, it's, if it's not his opinion, if it's the Word of God, it's the Word of God that's stepping on your toes. Moses wasn't out to hurt them. They were hurting themselves. And it was God, all Moses was doing was listening to what God said, coming back, telling them what God said, and they were accusing Moses of hurting them. They were doing it to themselves, and Moses said, hey, Lord said, you better straighten up. Lord said, you better straighten up or I'm going to do something to you. And people get offended by that. I've had people come out to me after church and say, I heard you, you it's like you were following me around all week long, <laughs> listening to my conversation, watching what I was doing. And I like to tell them, it wasn't me following you around all week long. It was the Lord God through the Holy Spirit following you around all week long. And, and I have people come up to me, and I, I mean, this is true. I've had people tell me, you know, when you were talking about so-and-so and so-and-so, I, I just, it really, it just bothered me. It really convicted me. I didn't even mention that in the sermon. <laughs> I didn't even mention that in the sermon. And I record these sermons, amen. I know what I mentioned and didn't mention. The Lord was speaking to the heart. 
I was preaching about something and the Lord was speaking their heart about something else. That had nothing to do with me, but I was getting accused of hurting them, you know? But you see how this works? It's how it works. The Lord, the Lord uses preachers to preach. The Word of God is being preached out and the Lord, the Holy Spirit's moving. He's speaking to your heart. I've been, guys... I've been out there right where you're at. And I know the preacher will be preaching. You'll be thinking about something a million miles away. You might be thinking about something else. Or the Lord will be speaking to your heart. Or maybe, God bless you if you do this, you, you, might, be keep, you might keep reading what I'm preaching. And that's great. You don't have, you know, just keep on reading. If, if, if I'm stopped somewhere and you want to keep on reading, keep on reading. Just get the Word of God. Whatever you do, just get the Word of God in you. Amen. That's, that's the point. Verse 16. And Moses said unto Korah, be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow. And take every man his censer and put incense in them and bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, 250 censers, thou also and Aaron and each of you his censer. So Moses is saying, you, you, all these men that want to take control and want to start taking charge of this, y'all bring your, you get your censer, which is what they use to serve the, serve the Lord God, to, to bring incense. You bring all your senses, you come before the Lord, and we'll find out who the Lord chooses, is what he's saying there. Look at verse 18. And they took, uh, and they took every man his censer and put fire in them and laid incense thereon. That's not to make it smell real good. And stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. Verse 19. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. <clears throat> Here's another thing you need to know about blind leaders. And this is what I found out over the years studying uh, about doctrine and studying my Bible and finding out the truth about the Bible and different doctrines is blind leaders are very confident. Blind leaders are very confident in their doctrine and in their beliefs. A blind leader is very confident in their doctrine, what they're teaching, religious teaching, and in their beliefs. Look at Korah. He shows up. He, gather, he knows God's going to show up. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them. Korah's very, very confident that he's right. Korah is convinced that he's right and that God's going to be on his side. And if you ever talk to blind leaders, you ever talk to Jehovah's Witnesses or the leaders, and I have had the leaders, some of the leaders of the Jehovah's Witness Church over at my house arguing with me because I had stirred up the whole church and when I got onto one of their members and I had them all stirred up and they come over there. And I, of course, I straightened them out. Don't worry about that. But the, the point is, is that when they show up, they're all stirred up and mad. And they're so convinced that they've got the truth. Just like Korah. Well, how do you know, Brother Keegan, if you got the truth or not? You got the, got the book. <laughs> And if you, here's how you figure it out. Everybody, every, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witness, it don't matter what, uh, well, whoever it is, you get, don't use this book. But what, this is what you know, this is what, I'll show you what they'll do, though. They'll use this book, and this is what they tried to do to me at my house, too. They'll say, uh, they'll try, they even will use a King James. And they'll be reading along, and what you'll notice is they'll change something. And that's where they'll get you. They'll change a word. They'll change a verse. They'll take a verse out. Or they'll say, well, that's not translated right. And then what happens is, you, they're standing there with the Word of God, but before long, you're standing there with the Word of God, and they're crawfishing. Well, that's not really what it means. That's not really what it says. And they'll start trying to change the verse and change God's Word because it doesn't line up with what they teach. 
Amen. That's what they do, every one of them. Every single one of them. The Jehovah's Witnesses are so bad about it, they got their own Bible out. And we'll say, why would they have to bring out their own Bible? Because, it, because the Bible is so strong teaching that Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh. They had to get their own Bible and take out all the places it mentions Jesus Christ as God. But they missed a few. And I know where they're at in their Bible. But the point is, is that they want to change it up. But Korah is so convinced that he's right that he shows up at God's tabernacle with God about to show up. He's convinced that God's going to take his side. <clears throat> Remember this. Write this down. If you, do any, if you write anything down, write this down. All sincerity without the truth is still a lie. <clears throat> get that, man. You got to get it. All sincerity without the truth is still a lie. And what I mean by that is, is you'll have people knock on your door. You might have a loved one. You might have a relative. You might have an uncle or aunt. And they're so sincere in what they believe. They're so sincere in their beliefs and their doctrines. And, and I, I, I'm telling you guys, I've dealt over and over for years and years with the Jehovah's Witness followers and the, the, the blind followers of the Jehovah's Witness, the Watchtower Society. And I talked to them, and man, they're so sincere and they're so kind and they're so nice and they, they really, really believe what they're trying to tell me. But all sincerity without the truth is still a lie. Okay? Who's, who's more sincere than a Muslim that's willing to strap a, strap a bomb on themselves and blow themselves up. You can't get any more sincere than that, amen. They're willing to sacrifice their own life because they're so sincere about their beliefs. But it sends them straight to hell. We forget this. It was, back, was it back in the 70s that Jim Jones took all those people out there and he had them drink all, the, drink all that Kool-Aid that was poisoned and killed, they killed all the, almost all the congregation out there and they had pictures of them just, they all were drinking it, dying. He had them convinced. They were blind leaders following the blind. Blind followers following blind leaders. This is nothing new, guys. It amazes me that people would do that. Do you remember the Heaven's Gate cult? When Hellbop, the comet, was coming, and it was, you know, once in a lifetime type of thing, and here comes that comet. And this cult, this leader, had these people convinced that there was a UFO on the back of that comet that you couldn't see, and that they were going to kill themselves and catch a ride with that UFO. Is that not the craziest, insane thing you've ever heard in your life? These people believed it. Men, men, listen to this, men. This guy had the men, they all had black hair, and he had them where they were neutering themselves. And they all were wearing the same clothes. They all had, like, I think, black Nike shoes on, and they all laid out in that house, and I think there was about 17 of them that killed themselves trying to catch a ride on a UFO that's behind a comet. And then they make fun of you. <laughs> this stuff's insane. There's a danger in this. There's a danger because blind leaders, they will fool you, they will trick you, they will use sweet words, they will be very sincere, they're usually handsome, they're usually very charismatic, they usually can really speak, they usually have a college degree, they usually, they, they, they are so convincing, and they'll lead you straight to hell. Man, you know, I don't know German. I don't know a lick of German except for nine, which means no, and Dumkoff. 
I know that. And I learned all this off of Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> but the point is, is that when you watch Hitler on like a YouTube video or watch Hitler, that guy was charismatic. He had hundreds of thousands of people listening to him. And he would, you know, and he, ah, ah, you see him. And he wasn't doing nothing but speaking. And he convinced them to kill six million Jews. And to get them into a war that they never were going to win. One man. One man. <laughs> Guys, this stuff is so dangerous. You can be so blinded and be following a blind leader and be a blind follower. Jesus Christ said, you'll both fall in a ditch. That's his warning to y'all. And as, as Christians, we need to be careful we don't start following blind leaders. And we need to warn our loved ones. And Korah is so convinced that he had the truth. He was so convinced. He stood in the door. Let's go on. Verse 19. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. Look at verse 20. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. <laughs> oh, woo! It's like they all show up, oh, show Moses who's the leader. Come on, guys, let's all go down there. And God just shows up in the cloud and says, Moses, Aaron, come over here. Get out of the way. I'm about to kill them all. I'm going to kill them all. I'm done with them. Get out of the way. Separate yourselves. I'm about to consume them in a moment. Whoosh. Lord's sick of it. The Lord's done tried to kill them two or three different times, and Moses has had to fall on his face. We read that last Sunday, remember? God was going to kill them all right there. I'm done with it. I'll just, I'll, come here, Moses. I'll just make a great nation out of you. I'm going to kill all the rest of these idiots. God gets about up to here with something, and he shows up, and people start dying. Hey, I'm reading it. You're reading it with me, right? This is not my opinion. This is what God said. I will consume them in a moment. He's sick of them. You as a Christian... Guys, you can mess up and get on God's bad side. It's just like a kid. You'll be messing around and messing around and messing around, and all of a sudden, Daddy comes out with his belt, and you better get out of the way. And if you're a lost man or woman or man, and you start messing with God, God will get so sick of you, he'll just take you out. He's not going to mess with you anymore. Verse 27, I mean, verse 22, excuse me. And they fell upon their faces, that's Moses and Aaron, and said, Oh, God. The God of the spirits of all flesh shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with the whole congregation? They're trying to change God's mind. God, don't, don't kill them. It's Korah that's doing this. It's, it's, it's one man Korah stirring all this up, and you're trying to kill everybody for Lord. Just, you know, but that's how the Lord works. Lord, the Lord is God. Amen. See, He comes along and He says, "I'm done with all this. Whoosh! I'm tired of all these people. Sends a hurricane. Two hundred thousand people die." 400,000 people. One tsunami, 400,000 people. That's how God works. We're just little ants. God don't have to care about it. He can do whatever he wants to do. That's why you should have the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's why you should have a fear of the Lord because he, he has your very breath is in his hands. He can do what he wants to do. And the Lord spake unto Moses, verse 23, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you up from about the tabernacle of Korah and Dathan and Abiram. And Moses rose up and went with Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, this is what Moses said, Depart, 
I pray you from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing of theirs, lest ye be consumed in all their sins. Now this is a great point that I want to make this morning. Because you have God tell you up in verse 21, look at verse 21, separate yourselves. Right there. And then verse 26, depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. God wants you to stay away from blind leaders and their sins. You've got to separate yourselves out and you've got to stop following them. You can't, don't even have nothing to do with them. God killed two people in the New Testament church for lying to the Holy Ghost. Guys, that's not Old Testament. You see how God sometimes doesn't want to put up with your foolishness? They're, they're, they didn't go to hell. They're up in heaven. They're saved. But God gets so much tired of, can get tired of your foolishness and kill you. I know it's getting quiet in here, but God can get tired of how you act and get rid of you. You need to live right for the Lord. And listen, when you have somebody that's not living right for the Lord that's around you, get rid of them. Listen, turn to Romans 16. I want to make sure you understand this before we leave because some of y'all, we, we fool with this stuff and God doesn't want you fooling with these people. Look at Romans chapter 16. You, keep your hand there in um, Numbers, but we're going to turn, we're going to, I'm going to show you some scripture. Turn to Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. Romans 16. This is a New Testament commandment for you to mark those that are acting up a certain way and get rid of them. Get, get, take, make, make sure you're not around them. Look at verse 17. Romans 16, 17. This is Paul. Pauline epistle. Pauline uh, doctrine. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. That's a religious teaching that we, we know is true. Which you have learned and avoid them. Mark them and avoid them. I'm not supposed to do that. Yeah. Say, you know what? You're not teaching right. You're not living right. You're not, and I'm going to mark you and I'm going to avoid you. We're not supposed to be mean to them. We're not supposed to cuss them. We're, not, we're just supposed to mark them and avoid them. Guys, those are the very words that Paul told you right there. You read that? Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them, end of verse 17, and avoid them. We're not supposed to judge anybody. You better judge them. <laughs> Don't listen to the liberals. You better judge somebody. It's our job, job to judge people in the church and those people that are teaching religious teachings. You better judge them or they'll lead you, lead you straight to hell if you're lost. <laughs> Look at verse 18. For they, are, they, they, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches... Deceive the hearts of the simple. It's going on TV. You'll turn on the TV. It's on TV every day of the week. Every day of the week. They're good looking. They have fair speeches. They really know how to speak. They got good words. And all they're doing is serving themselves, their own belly. If you'll send me in $100, I can promise you that God will... Turn that to a thousand dollars. You send me a thousand. I, I need a new jet. I need, oh, God wants me to have a new jet. I wish you'd send me. They're serving their own bellies. They're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Brother Keegan, how can I tell them apart? Here's how I can tell them apart. Now, you have your own way. This is how I tell them apart. Do they mention that you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? 
Now you say that's so simple, but if you'll just listen to it, you'll be amazed. They'll talk about God. They might mention Jesus Christ, but do they ever give you the plan of salvation? Do they ever mention that you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're going to hell? These are simple truths. That's what every preacher should be preaching. But they tend to, to get into psychology and uh, uh, sociology and, 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 and to make you feel good and to tickle your ears. And all they're trying to do is get your money. They're not like Moses. They're trying to get in your back pocket. And they're trying to hurt you. You need to mark them and you need to avoid them. Amen. Amen. Be real about it. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Just keep on turning to the right a little bit. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. A lot of y'all know, y'all know better than this, but y'all, you, you need to understand it's a, it's a biblical principle. We're not trying to hurt anybody. We're not trying to you know, make, you know, hurt anybody. We're trying to take care of ourselves because we don't want to be blindly led by blind leaders. And they're blind leaders Blind people following the blind. Like Jesus Christ said, look at verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Fornicators is somebody who's having sex outside of marriage. That's practically everybody in America. There's very few people in America that aren't having sex outside of marriage. And there's nothing wrong with sex, but sex outside of marriage. It's called fornication. And it's rampant in America. Rampant. It's rampant all over the world, but in America especially. Look, he says not to have company with them. Look at verse 10. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with the idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. He said, well, you can't. You're living in the world. You, they're, they're all around you. You, get, you go to the bank. You, you go to the restaurants. You go to the, wherever you go. You go to work. You're going to be around these people. You can't leave the world, right? The world's full of people like that. And you've got to be nice to them. And we, we're friendly and we show them the love of Christ. Amen? Amen? But look at verse 11. But now I have written unto you not to keep company. See, there's a difference. Not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one, know not to eat. You got a brother or sister that's living like the devil, that's living like uh, raising hell, and living like the world? Don't be eating with them. Don't be keeping company with them. Don't, be, don't make them your best friend, brothers and sisters. They shouldn't be your best friend. I'm not saying you don't be friendly to them. I'm not saying you're not friends with them. But you shouldn't be keeping company with them. They shouldn't be your best friends. Well, I can't even get an amen this morning. This is rougher than I ever dreamed it would be. It's the truth, man. You got it. Listen, man, when you, when you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, maybe you're like me. I was a little older. I was an older teenager. I was 17. You know what I found out? I didn't have to worry about this verse right here. My friends left me. As soon as I didn't want to go out drinking, as soon as I didn't want to go out fornicating, as soon as I didn't want to go out hell raising, my friends stopped calling me. My friends stopped asking me around. I didn't have to worry about keeping company with them because they didn't want to keep company with me. But the problem is, man, we get, as Christians, we get in the world and we get to living in the world. We get to working with people at work and they're doing this stuff and they're doing all this stuff. And then you tend to keep company with them. 
And you have to because you're at work, amen, or wherever you're at. But you get drawn into it, and before you know it, you're, all of a sudden you look up and you're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. You're saying stuff you shouldn't be saying. You're thinking things you shouldn't be thinking. And that's coming from keeping company with people you're not supposed to be keeping. You're supposed to mark them and avoid them. And notice, these aren't sinners. These aren't lost people he's talking about. Look, look at verse 11. But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or idolater. It's, it, we're talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. You got brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm, I'm saying they're saved. But they're living like the devil. And there's times you got to say, you know what? I, I know you love the Lord. You post stuff off on Facebook. I love God, and God is so wonderful. And then the next post is them out there at the bar getting drunk. Happens all the time. One, one, on, on, on Monday, they're posting about God bless me this week and the Lord Jesus, and they're putting scriptures, and then on Friday, they're at the bar getting drunk. I mean, it's, 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 it's sad. Shouldn't not be that way. And I know I'm one of the only preachers in this whole area that preaches against alcohol, but I'm going to keep on stomping on it because it is your enemy. Alcohol is your enemy. It's the devil's, devil's liquid. It's your enemy. And you're supposed to keep away from these kind of people. Let's skip ahead to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I'm running out of time. I want to show you a couple more verses. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I want, to, I want to really hammer this home because I didn't get a lot of amens. You should have, you should have, <laughs> you should have amen me or I wouldn't be giving you all these scriptures. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man, note him, and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. There you go. There you go. There you go. You know what happens when you have a brother and sister and you say, man, I just can't, I just can't hang out with you. You're, just, you're living like the devil. I mean, I, I love you. You know I want to hang out with you, but I, 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 can't, I don't act that way, man. I don't do that kind of stuff. You, you're, you're not doing that to hurt them. You're not doing but you're, it's the truth, amen, right? Amen. But you're hoping that they'll look at that and say, you know, you're right. I, I, and they, they would feel ashamed. That's a good word that you don't see anybody anymore have shamefulness just be ashamed for how they're acting and not trying to make excuses for it and say you know I am ashamed I shouldn't be I'm going to repent I'm going I'm to get back into church I'm going to start acting right but if you're living with them doing the same stuff why should they change you're going to have to have another brother and sister come and get you and them out of it right amen you gotta... verse 15 yet count him not as an enemy but admonish him as a brother there you go. You know, we're not making enemies. We're just trying to help brothers and sisters out. And we're not going to live in the world. And if they're living in the world, you mark them, you avoid them, you don't keep company with them. That don't mean you be mean to them or you don't answer their phone calls or nothing like that. But that means, no, I'm not going to go out there because y'all are going to be doing some drinking. Everybody who's been around me for any length of time knows I don't like to drink. And, I, and a number two, I don't like to be around a bunch of drinkers. Because to me, there's nothing, nothing worse than being around a bunch of drunks when you're sober. Amen. That's just me. Now, y'all have y'all's own life. Live it like you want to live it, brothers and sisters. But I've had so many people that won't invite me out to go camping, that won't invite me out to have anything to do with them, simply because they know they're going to be drinking and they don't want me around. 
And I've lost out on a lot of friendship with my family and with loved ones and friends because they don't want me around because they know I don't drink and they go, I don't invite him. He's a party pooper, you know. I don't know what they say about me, but I know they don't invite me. And Facebook's really good, even though I don't have Facebook, tells you what all they're doing and they're not, <laughs> you're not involved, amen. And I don't want to be involved. But I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes they separate you out. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Let's go back and let's finish all this up. Let's go back up to Numbers chapter 16. Numbers chapter 16. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that was going to go so bad. But that's good. That's good. Praise the Lord. Maybe somebody in here need to hear that stuff. Amen. Yeah, maybe somebody need to hear that stuff. I know I need to hear it. I mean, I'm not trying to pick on anybody in here, but I need to hear it. I need to remember it because I, I get around hanging around people and then they're saying stuff I shouldn't hear and they're talking about stuff I shouldn't listen to and before long there's thoughts get in my mind and they're telling dirty jokes I shouldn't hear that stuff and I don't want to be around that, that junk because you know what happens to you? You start listening to that stuff. That stuff gets in your heart and before you know it, that stuff comes out of your mouth. And I have to repent about that stuff. And I think, oh, Lord, where that, man, I, I, and then I think, oh, so-and-so was talking about that. So-and-so was talking that way. Now, see, I, I, I'm, I work, you know, for a living, so I have to hit, be around a bunch of ungodly men, so I hear everything you can think of. So I have to really be careful to guard my ears. Verse 27, back in number 16. Verse 27, let's see, let's find out what happens to Korah. Spoiler alert, it isn't good. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram on every side. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents and their wives and their sons and their little children. Let me stop there before we go on real quick. The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 26, verse 11, that Korah's children didn't get killed here. That Korah's children did not get killed here. That's, you can find that in Numbers chapter 26, verse 11. Because it mentions their sons and their little children, but they don't die. Verse 28, Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited at the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. He said, they're about to die, but if they die like every man dies, then you know the Lord didn't send me. <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Verse 30, but if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open up her mouth and swallow them up with all that pertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. Amen. Wow. Let's see what happens. Verse 31, and it came to pass as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. They and all that appertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed up upon them and they perished from among the congregation. Wow. Blind leaders of the blind and the blind lead the blind, Jesus said, both shall fall into the ditch. I just couldn't help but think of Korah. Moses don't know what he's doing. He's just, he, he's trying to lead us the wrong way. He's, he's, a, he's leading the blind people. He's trying to blind them. And we could do so much better of a job and I'm not following him and he's not even doing a good job. And he, if he was doing a good job, we'd be down in the land and be drinking wine and man, having a good time. And the earth goes, and ah, alive, they alive, go down into the pit. 
and then the earth goes closes right back up. Amen. Wow. That's not, it's not done though. God's not done. Look at verse 34. And all Israel that were, that were around about them fled at the cry of them. For they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. Korah, you were so, so sincere that God was on your side. Oh, Korah, you were so sincere and you gathered all the people and you had a lot of people behind you. We're not talking about just a couple. There was hundreds, thousands that were following Korah that were behind him and he was so good looking and he was such a good speaker and he's down in a pit. And everybody starts hearing his cries as it goes down. They start running in verse 35 and there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered the incense. Wow. God's not done. Not only does he get the, open the earth and Korah and Dathan and Byron, they all go down into the pit. The earth goes and closes back up. And those 250 men that are sitting there, they're all running and the fire like lightning goes. It starts just killing them. 250 of them. Now I'm going to show you the craziest thing you're going to ever read in the Bible. Skip down to verse 41. Because what God does from verses 36 to 40 is he makes them make these, take those plates they were using and make an, make, put it on the altar. But for time's sake, we need to skip. And you can go home and read that, but skip down to verse 41. So I do all that, but look. But on the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. People are just completely nuts. People are crazy. You know that. You know, I told you the stories about Heaven's Gate. Now, you know people are completely crazy. Blind followers are quick to forget yesterday. <laughs> Blind followers are so quick to forget yesterday. The very next day, they're attacking Moses again and accusing him. Now, let, let, me, let me point something out to you. If I was outside somewhere and some preacher came out and some preacher said, I'm from God. And I said, oh, yeah, whatever. And that guy says, watch this. And the earth goes. And all these people start falling in the earth. And it goes. And the earth closes back up. I'd say, whatever you say, man, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I might believe in my heart something. I might say, I don't think he's really of God. But I'm going to say, whatever you say, man, you're the man. You're the man. These people are so stupid. Even after that, on the very next day, they're attacking Moses again. They don't have no sense. But on the morrow, all the congregation children of Israel murmur against Moses and Aaron. Look what they say. You have killed the people of the Lord. Did Moses kill them? No. God killed them. Moses didn't open up the earth. And have Moses said, if God does this, you'll know I'm from the Lord. And God did it, just like he said what happened. All Moses is doing is repeating God's words. Amen. See, a real leader is not giving his own opinion. A real leader is just telling you what God says. Okay? That's what we got going on here. God, Moses didn't lift a finger. God killed him. And I want to close out. I'm going to show you something else, something else here at the end of verse 41. Ye have killed the people of the Lord. Now, there's one important thing you need to know. Anyone 
or any organization, I don't care if it, what it is, any person or any organization that does not follow God's words, and Cora didn't, and I proved it to you over and over again last Sunday, anyone or any organization that does not follow God's words are not God's people. Now, they just said, you have killed the people of the Lord. No, no, no. Moses didn't kill them. The Lord killed them, and they're not the Lord's people. The Lord's done said, and you've read it with Scripture with me over and over again, that he said, Moses, get away from them. I'm going to kill them and consume them. Separate yourself. They're not the people, they're not the people of the Lord. But that's what blind followers do. Blind followers of blind leaders, they start saying, we're a people of the Lord. We belong to the Lord. We belong to God. God's on our side. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, you know how you can know somebody's not on God's side? If they're following God's words or if they're not. Amen. That's how you do it. It's that simple. Verse 42. It came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses, against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Oh, oh, oh. God already come down, and he did what he did, and he left. Now here comes... I mean, I'm not trying not to laugh. It's kind of comical. Then the next day, they're like, rah, 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 Moses killed all those people of the Lord. And here comes the Lord again. Bloop, 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 bloop. And you know it's not going to be good. You know, if the Lord shows back up, it's not going to be good. <laughs> the, the glory of the Lord appeared. And look at verse 43. Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. Congregation, Verse 44. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among the congrega this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. <laughs> He's after to kill them all again. Murmuring against Moses. Blind followers following blind leaders. Jesus Christ said they both shall fall in a ditch, and that's exactly what happened. And now here comes the Lord again to kill them all. But I'm going to show you what a real leader does. Look at the, look what, God, what Moses does right there. Oh, man. This is the kind of leader that you want. This is the kind of leader that I wish I could be. This is the kind of leader that Moses was. Look what it says. God's out to kill them. And, and you know what? I wouldn't blame Moses if he backed up and said, Oh, Lord, just kill them. Kill them. Kill every one of them, Lord. Because that's what the Lord wants to do, right? Can you imagine laying in your bed and you're mad at somebody? And I know, don't, get, don't, don't lie to me and say you don't ever get mad at somebody. And you're really mad at somebody. You know, you think of ex-wives. Maybe an uncle. Somebody you know, you work with that you really don't like. And the Lord shows up and said, I'm going to kill them. Don't you know you'd be like, really, Lord? You're going to kill them and take care of them for me? Wouldn't you kind of get excited? Lord, let me show you how to kill them. And then you, you know, amen. We're that wicked, right? Maybe you're not that wicked. I'm admitting, I'm admitting a sin right here then. Because if the Lord showed up in the middle of the night and said, okay, give me a list kicking, I'd say, well, hold on a second, Lord. Let me get my pen and paper. I'll show you who you need to kill off. Like this and this one. Moses didn't like that. Moses is a real leader. And they fell upon their faces. A real leader falls on their face in prayer to help his followers. A real leader will fall on his face in prayer to God to help his followers.
You know what I know about real leaders? Is they fall on their faces. And if you look at that verse there, they fell on their face. Back in verse 22, it says they fell on their face. All the way back at verse, I think verse 4, it says he fell on, Moses fell on his face. It's, it's, it's a whole chapter of Moses falling on his face. Falling on his face. Falling on his face. He falls on his face to the Lord in prayer. When you have a, a loved one, a, a friend, a brother and sister in Christ that's, that's living the life that he shouldn't live or she shouldn't live, we don't need to be talking bad about them. We don't need to be berating them. We need to be falling on our faces and praying and asking God to send the Holy Spirit their way to show them the truth. Amen. Yeah, that's what we need to be doing. Falling on our face like Moses. And you know what I know about real leaders that I've followed? Real leaders in the church, they fall on their face. And what I mean by that is what, exactly what I mean. They fall on their face right before me. They make mistakes. I've seen Dr. Oakman make mistakes. He's fell on his face. You know what happens with real leaders is when they fall on their face, it's public. You know, they're, they're leading and they're trying to lead somebody. And you're following them and you see them fall down on their face. But a real leader gets back up and keeps on going. They fall on their face in prayer and sometimes they fall on their face just trying to lead. And they make mistakes. Don't turn on your leaders. Don't turn on those people that are trying to help you out. Pray for them. Help them out. Pray for them. If, 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 I'm try, just to try to make a point about this church, if you don't like the way the preacher's doing or the way I'm preaching, man, pray for me. Say, Lord, give him the words to preach. Lord, I don't like the way he's doing this or doing that. Pray for me. The Lord will help me. And I appreciate your prayers. So in closing, look at verse 46. All this, you know it's all going to go back to Jesus. <laughs> It always goes back to Jesus Christ. Verse 46, And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer and put fire therein from off the altar and put on incense and go quickly unto the congregation and look and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. See, if you're underneath the sound of my voice and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't realize it, but the wrath of God is on you. And the plague has begun. The plague of sin. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus Christ, like Aaron, has gone out and he's made an atonement for you with his precious blood. To try to take God's wrath off of you so you can get under God's love. See, Aaron right there is a beautiful picture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ making an atonement for our sins. Because we're just as stupid as these people in this story. And I'm, I'm putting myself right in there with them. I'm not Moses in this story. I'm not Aaron. I'm not Korah. I'm just those dumb followers. I'm one of those dumb followers. I'm the ones that murmur. When God does something so wonderful for me one day and sends me some, some, some of the most amazing showers of blessings, the very next day I'm murmuring about something. That's just my wicked heart. And I'm thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ that he, that he sent and was died and put his blood on me to make atonement for me. Verse 47, And Aaron took, took, took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. Behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead, the unsaved, and the living, the saved, and the plague was stayed. I'm glad Jesus Christ stands between us and the unsaved. 
And the only reason I stand on Jesus Christ's side is because I've received that free gift of salvation. And he shed his blood for me. That's it. That's the only way. But look how many people died in verse 49. Now they that died in the plague was 14,700. Beside them that died about the matter of Korah. Blind leaders of the blind falling into a ditch. Oh, brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be so careful that we don't get blind and start following blind leaders. And we need to be so diligent to warn people about blind leaders and their ways and the way they'll have their blind followers following them. The world's, world's full of them. And you know what you need to do? If you, when you get down and praying tonight, whenever you say your prayers, you need to thank the Lord God that he sent somebody your way that wasn't a blind leader that told you about Jesus Christ and led you to Jesus Christ. I don't know if it was a Sunday school teacher, a preacher, your mom, your dad, your grandmother, your aunt, your uncle. I don't know who it was that came into your life and told you about Jesus Christ and opened your eyes to the truth. But you need to get down on your knees and say, Lord, thank you for them that they had the guts to tell me and to keep me away from following some blind leader that would lead me down into a ditch of a devil's hell. I'm so thankful for our leaders that came before us that weren't blind. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Father, for your words. Lord, thank you for men and women, Lord God, that have the courage and the guts to tell people about Jesus Christ and to get the truth out there, Father. Lord, thank you for these old-time Sunday school teachers, these old-time preachers, these old-time deacons, these old-time laymen, Lord God, these old-time people that were willing to hand out gospel tracts, Lord, they were willing to tell people about Jesus Christ. They weren't ashamed, Father, and they were willing to go to their neighbor, to go to the, somebody, that, a friend, and tell them about Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you that we had men and women like that, Lord. I ask you, Father, to raise up people like that in this church. They have a heart to tell people about Jesus Christ, Lord, to let your light shine from them, Lord, and they have the courage just to give the gospel out, Father. I ask you to raise people like that out of this church, Lord God, that we won't be blind leaders and we won't be blind followers, Lord God. We'll be following our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ straight into heaven, Father. And that's where we want to go. We want to follow you. And Lord, you are our leader. And we give you all the praise and honor and glory. And I'm praying this in the name of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. 
But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.